listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. This is going to be a recap of last night's 88th Academy Awards, as hosted by Chris Rock. Um, I'm Emerson Malone. I am a writer for the dailyemerald.com. My name is Craig Wright. I'm also a writer for the Emerald. My name is Braden Quishan. I'm a writer for the Emerald. I'm Chris Berg. I'm a writer for the Emerald. I'm Hunter Moore, contributor to all these guys' lives. Um, yeah, this guy just walked in and demanded to be part of our podcast. I was like, Chris, shut up. He's wearing a Yale sweatshirt, so we figured he's probably more intelligent than all of us. This may or may not be a hostage situation. Big he's, air quotes. Big wait, air who, quotes. Are we the hostages? I mean, that's that's up to you. I come from out east, and I just round you guys up, put you in a podcast studio. Talk about the Oscars. <laughs> Sounds like the next song. Give me your hot takes. <laughs> this is going to be the latest from Jodie Foster. That's right, yeah. God, have you seen the trailer for Money Monster? That looks like the worst oh, movie man. ever made. Yeah, how, like, is, is that just like Clooney doing a big favor for, for I, Jodie? I really think so. Like, He's like, Clooney, I owe you one. <laughs> Clooney owed some favors this past year. He was in Tomorrowland. Yeah. That was a <laughs> hot dump. Yes. And I was not a huge fan of Hail Caesar, like... I'm always really interested in like the sort of side gigs that um, Clooney takes, though, because it's like he did a Nest Cafe commercial and then used all that money to build a satellite and then put it over like Sudan. <laughs> so one talking point that I wanted to bring up that I'm sure you guys are all thinking about when you stopped watching the Oscars, you went back to your respective homes and or whatever, wherever sort of box Hunter lives in. And you were like, wow, that like finally we saw this guy get an award after being nominated so many times and he, the, the Academy finally recognized him this year and we all know who I'm talking about Ennio Morricone I actually was going there right. yeah. <laughs> I, I have expected you to say Inaritu but <laughs> <laughs> last, year, last year didn't count. yeah <laughs> Craig gets Birdman yeah, more yeah I, I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be good. There will be there will <laughs> there will be time for that. There will be blood. Yeah, Morricone's Oscar <laughs> is no relation. Yeah, <laughs> but I like the effort, Hunter. Yeah, keep Morricone's Oscar is like crazy overdue. Yeah, I I don't have any sort of statistic on this, but I feel like he's probably the first person to win an Oscar after they gave him the Lifetime Achievement Award, totally, right? Totally. The probably. award they give you for snubbing an Oscar. I thought right. he was dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, honestly, I didn't know who he was until they said he was doing the Hateful Eight score. So okay. well, he did the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, well, that was what seventy. And... Good, Bad, and the Ugly was like what sixty-five. What sixties? Yeah. Maybe he's yeah. the guy who does Old West film scores. The the central <laughs> reason Hunter is here is because he's probably the most authoritative expert on this because he uh, attended the Oscars a few years ago. Yeah, three years ago. Oh, really? Um, I took Chris, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I take that back. Hunter, you don't need to be here. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the Oscars a lot. I usually yeah. hate awards ceremonies. I, I was very yeah. surprised with how much I enjoyed the Oscars as a ceremony this year. Like, it seems like every year, you know, you watch that show, and it's like, okay, it has a few moments, but most of this is just meaningless drivel. Whereas this, like, they kind of, you know, they took the controversy, they took all the Oscars swipe stuff, attacked it head on, and as a result, actually made a very fun, enjoyable show that was both, you know, kind of self-aware and at the same time, you know, respectful of the issue at hand. I thought it was smart to have Chris Rock uh, kind of go into his monologue right off the bat. Um, just, I, I think he's one of the only people in America who could kind of uh, help us all make sense of the controversy. And um, he kind of, he kind of uh, 
looked at it from all perspectives, which was nice. Like he was talking about how um, people like Jada Pinkett Smith were uh, quote unquote, you know, boycotting the Oscars, right. and, and that doesn't really make sense so. when they weren't invited. Yeah. When they- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some sick burns tossed towards Gina Pinkett and Will Smith. Like. Tell the truth. <laughs> Shocking he didn't get a nomination for that performance. Yeah. I can't believe it. That Despite like... the fact I saw that trailer at least 15 times during, like, Oscar season. Oh, yeah. I liked how he he didn't just stop at race, though. He took on everything. Like, I really liked his ending comments about how you're not supposed to talk to women about what they're wearing. And then he said, like, because men wear the exact same thing, so no one cares what they're wearing. <laughs> then he, I loved his joke where he said, like, you know, if George Clooney came in wearing, like, a purple suit and with a swan coming out of his ass, it'd probably be like, George, what are you wearing? <laughs> and it's so true, because, I mean, it's... I don't understand why that's something you can't do. I mean, I get that it's... Do you think it's degrading to women to ask what they're wearing when they have, like... Because designers rely on their dresses to make their careers, you know? It's like, a very it's a very interesting issue because on one hand, it's like, yeah, you know, female actresses, they should be getting these deeper questions that maybe they get, you know, in a lower, you know, th- as far as the ratio goes, maybe they get less of those deep questions. But at the same time, a whole industry has been built up around this, exactly. like, oh, what is this person wearing? What's the best look? Like, there's clearly a demand for that sort of thing. So it's this weird back and forth where it's like, clearly there's a culture that has evolved around this. And part of that culture wants it to go away. So it's a weird internal argument that I think is going to shake out over the next few years, whether or not it's okay to talk about dresses, I guess. I just think that's stupid. It's like, not It's not the sort of... Forbidding it? I mean, really? Maybe not forbidding, but yeah, maybe it's not the only thing you ask about. Frowning upon it. No, exactly. No, you shouldn't just like only say, what are you wearing? All right, goodbye. But I mean... Come on. I think there can go be find a, you a date, hun. I think there can <laughs> be a, a happy medium. Um, yeah. I think it's okay to uh, ask about things like that, superficial stuff like that, as long as you're asking um, other better questions yeah, as no, well. Exactly. I mean, if we didn't ask that, the Oscars would be about an hour and a half shorter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if we got rid of Girl Scout cookies too, that was dumb. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why they need filler in a show that's famous for going two hours over every it time. It reminded me of um, two years ago when Ellen DeGeneres hosted, and mm. she, did, she did the the, the, the recurring the big, pizza bit, the yeah. biggest the biggest selfie in the world, mixed with oh, all, yeah. ordering all the oh. pizzas. Yeah, didn't it crash Twitter's website too? So many people retweeted it. That's it like I, I think that's what Ellen claimed, but I doubt that actually happened. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I do find it sort of dumb that, yeah, they did a recurring Girl Scout bit, and yet they nominated five best original songs, and only three of them actually performed. Like, right. it's, it's, a, it's a weirdly organized show when you do have this filler that I don't think anyone finds funny or entertaining, but it's there every year. Like, wasn't it last year that Neil Patrick Harris had his magic box where he did the magic trick where you fake predictions and stuff? That like, was the dumbest thing I've ever It was seen. one of... It's just <laughs> bad filler, and... It, it confounds me that it made way into an otherwise well-written and well-constructed show. Yeah. I was a little surprised that um, nobody performed David Lang's song from Sorrentino's Youth. Uh, it, it might be because it's, it's obviously less pop-oriented. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of an opera or, or an operatic song. But the three songs that were performed were, um, you know, super, super... Uh, 
like big pop type right. type tracks. I they missed were, I missed like the first half of the show, but did Sam Smith play? Yeah, Sam did. Smith did a very boring performance yeah, it was of writing some crazy. They fit the song to redundant. <laughs> Classic yeah. winning the Oscar. <laughs> like I had I had a thing coming out of Spectre. I was like, oh, why is everyone shitting on that song? And then seeing it without the Spectre opening title card, I was like, oh yeah, this song is boring as hell. Yeah. It goes nowhere. It's, it was a nothing performance. And it's five seconds of the score, and he just yawns over it the best thing that happened was that during his speech he um he did the whole you know shout out to the lgbt community yeah. and, and that was great but like the performance itself was crazy yeah. nothingness the song is boring it's a bad song <laughs> now it's an oscar winning song yeah exactly <laughs> especially compared to the sharp total contrast of the weekend's just hyper sexed up like snm trapeze you circle compared to lady gaga's <laughs> tribute to you know Let's not rape people. Like, yeah, it's a very, very some different. hard turns in the Oscars this year. Three very different songs. For um, sure. The Hunting Ground was that a documentary? Yeah. Yes, it was. And that wasn't nominated for best documentary, was it? I don't think so. No. So no, the the song itself was nominated. Yes, I liked the best part about that. It was very moving. But the was best Joe part Biden walking out to the Indian goddamn Browns Biden movie? saying Lady Gaga is his best friend. <laughs> that was <Did>? incredible. <laughs> I want yes, something I want, to that effect. I want pictures of them hanging out. Yeah. My favorite picture of Joe Biden is when he's carrying, like, $15 and he's wearing sunglasses and he's, like, licking an ice cream cone. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? No. No, but I have to find out what you're Listen, talking Emerson, about. Look it up, Brayden. Emerson, I know we all have favorite photos of Joe Biden. Like, that's not what this podcast oh, is about. I'm going to miss him so much. <laughs> Let's pivot. Let's talk about Brie Larson. The amazing Brie Larson. Have any of you seen Room yet? Yes. yes. Okay. okay, good. I was going to have to hit someone. Yeah, Room, honestly, is my favorite film of last year, and I'm very happy that in a in a show where it was otherwise kind of snubbed, um, someone is passing me the photo of Joe Biden licking ice cream. Yes. <laughs> and now my train of thought so is good. It's off real. the rails. He um, just has two $10 bills. <laughs> Brie Larson deserved it, and I was really happy to see her get mm-hmm. it. I was very happy with that. On that note, Jacob Tremblay was robbed of Best Actor. Yeah, he should have gotten it over Leonardo DiCaprio, and I'm not even joking about that. I believe you that you yeah. that you think that. I'm still waiting for the the movie of the century to happen where Tommy Wiseau plays Jacob Tremblay in that room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Room's a great movie. Um, I think a lot of complaints were thrown at uh, the Best Picture nominees for um, for for having two movies nominated that not a lot of people saw, being Room and Brooklyn. But um, I don't know. I think we're kind of at a point where jokes like that or accusations like that uh, are kind of um, taken less seriously because, like, you can see any movie at any time. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> I mean, if you're not willing to to go out and, uh, to, to your local art house or whatever, um, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people have problems with downloading. Yeah. Like, I do agree. There's been complaints for a long time that the Oscars, especially back when they would only do five nominees, and it would be a lot of these art house pictures that you really couldn't see outside of New York and L.A., it definitely did create this sort of insular, you know... Oh, sure. Uh, for lack of a better word, sort of boys club, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're not yeah. a part of it, then you aren't going to understand any of this lavish show. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in the digital age, like, it makes a lot more sense. Like, you can access these movies very easily through stuff like VOD or iTunes. Yeah. And, like, you all have no excuse for not seeing Room, so it, it that's just, on you. It just seems kind of like a, a dated joke or, or mm-hmm. accusation because, um, I mean, I could see that 
being funny or whatever, like, 20 years ago, you know, when, like, the English patient was winning Best Picture or whatever. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I feel like the Oscars have actually kind of <clears throat> um, at least made a little bit of a stride in the last few years and um, attempted to nominate movies that, uh, even if a lot of people don't see them, at least have some so- some some cultural importance, some social importance. I mean, we are talking about a year where Mad Max Fury Road walked away with more Oscars than any other picture of 2015. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Deservedly so. That was great. I loved when Louis introduced Best Documentary <laughs> Short. <laughs> and he was talking about like how poor these people are and how they're just going to be documentary anxious to have Documentary Short a... subject. These people you can't will make never... a dime on this. These people will never be rich for their whole lives. They're just going to be anxious, like, having this golden statue in their apartment. It's actually a fun fact I saw recently. Did you know that you cannot legally sell your Oscar statue after you win? It is part of the contract to get the Oscar. You have to first offer it to the Academy for the price of $1. Oh, my so God. So there's no money to be made in an Oscar unless you melt it down and just sell the gold on the block. I wonder how many successful sellbacks they've had. And then they just, like, chisel away the name. <laughs> I think that's. I think Halle Berry did that after Gothica. Really? Yeah. No. Because her Oscar-winning performance in Gothica. <laughs> no. She knew she was going to get another no. one. <laughs> oh, my joke didn't. Work. <laughs> I don't didn't think anyone saw Gothica, so no, I don't no, know no, if you're no. She, or she, not. she won for Monsters Ball. The joke is that Gothica is a horrible movie that she did afterwards. Listen, if you said Catwoman, we all would have gotten. Sorry. It. Well, wasn't uh, Catwoman um, the movie she actually accepted the Razzie oh, she accepted for? The Razzie. She took yeah. the Razzie for. Okay, if you said Cloud Atlas, we all would have gotten. See, it. Craig just fixed my joke, so you know. That's okay. Listen, we can edit this. We can edit all of this. It's all <laughs> part of the editing magic, man. Hunter said, Catwoman. I was really happy that Mad Max got a lot. Yeah. I think the awards that it most deserved, it was, you know, somewhat robbed of. You yes. know, I think we all would have loved to see it win cinematography or direction or even visual effects, which it strangely lost. But the fact that it did get six trophies and be kind of, you know, kind of became the movie of the night, you mm-hmm. know, that's enough. I actually missed like the cinematography category. Who won? Revenant. Oh, hell yeah. So yeah. Lubeski completed his hat trick. He's, right he's now won his trifecta. three in a row, which uh, I believe is the first time that's happened. I believe it is. Right. And Gravity, Birdman, Revenant. You got him, yeah. He just needs to be barred from making movies for like five years. <laughs> just... No, no, that's uh, the director. <laughs> oh. um, I think in our last podcast, a point we made that like the most likely awards that Mad Max would have gotten, it was up against Star Wars, but I don't think Star Wars got anything. Star right? Wars did not win a single award, which isn't oh. surprising. Baldroid was robbed. Baldroid was robbed. Like... There should have been an award for best droid who was a ball. Boom. Exactly. It would have been like that against one of the minions or something. <laughs> the weirdest part was when ball droid rolls on stage with R2-D2 and C-3PO because he's under like heavy stage lights. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is a real thing. This isn't just magic. Like I remember uh, back when Star Wars was coming out and they were doing the trailer rollout, they had something at Star Wars Celebration where they brought the droids out on stage. And for the first time you saw ball droid and it was like, that's a, that's not – that's ma- – like it broke my mind seeing Baldroid in real life. I was like, "That that's not real. This is some movie trickery. I'm hallucinating right now." They had multiple different droids for the movie too. Like ones that would shake, and then a different one that would roll, then a different one that would turn its head. Cool. Baldroid was robbed. Uh, so I think there were multiple kind of surprise, uh, you know, awards this year, which was, you know, really a change of pace because. 
most years of the Oscars, you know going in who's going to win Best Picture, what's going to win all the four acting categories. Whereas this year, you know, I don't think anyone was seeing Mark Rylance taking supporting actor for Bridge of Spies. Like that film went kind of unseen, and he's, you know, pretty strong in it, but up against, you know, Sylvester Stallone and, you know, these other big names, I don't think anyone was expecting him to actually take home the trophy. Yeah, he's kind of a, um, he's kind of known for his stage work. He's a, he's sort of a Shakespeare actor, sort and, uh, I, I really um, I thought he was great in Bridge of Spies, but I certainly didn't see him winning over Stallone or Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I was kind of surprised that Tom Hardy was nominated in for, for that role because really all he does is grunt and scream in The Revenant and be like mustache twirling evil personified. But I, I guess that's worse than worse than Oscar. A lot of people. Uh, myself excluded um thought that he was better than DiCaprio I've heard that I've heard that a lot really I did I disagree with you what Leo do other than look cold I mean injured? he was probably out in the cold longer than Tom Hardy that means he's a better actor <laughs> does it so just because he said he a couple acted. of lines in a Native American language <laughs> clearly that's acting cause... he ate a liver or something yes he you guys see a that <laughs> you guys see the onion headline that was like Leonardo DiCaprio hopes he cried and screamed good enough to win an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. And so it was. And, and, <laughs> and so he did. Lo and behold. There's an interesting article I sent you to Emerson and Chris about why Leo winning is bad for acting in general. Yeah. Because just because he goes out into the wilderness, looks cold, you know, gets hit by a bear. and I read that. Oh, yeah, he's it, so cold. The, the author was kind of saying... Uh, that it sort of devalued some of the other performances. Yeah, it's just like it's just reinforcing the stereotype of the Oscars that whoever does the most outlandish performance is going to win, and right. it's it's not always about that. No, it's right. he he made the point that there hasn't been just like someone who played a normal dude right. <laughs> nominated in a very long time. Like you know, it just always is someone who does a spectacle performance. Right. You know, you can't win if you're just a guy. So. Granted, I don't always agree with. Who the Oscars choose, who the Academy chooses for for acting stuff. I mean, Eddie Redmayne won last year, and I thought Theory of Everything was trash, but... I haven't seen it. Theory of Everything is not a great movie, but I think Redmayne's performance in it is undeniably Oscar-worthy. You know, he has a handful, because he personifies that role so well. Like, you can call it, uh, you know, a gimmick, you know, that he's, you know, doing this outlandish thing, but... There are moments where he is acting with a handful of facial muscles and nothing else, and it's heartbreaking. But I think that sort of ties back to the article that Craig was talking about because uh, I don't I don't know that a, a physical performance um, can can sort of advance the the art or whatever or the craft. I I don't know. I mean, I'm not an actor, but. Uh, I, I don't know. Theory of Everything didn't really do. That being said, Danish Girl was trash as well. So maybe it's <laughs> maybe, so maybe, it's, Redman. maybe it's Redman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Segway. Alicia Vikander won Best Supporting Actress over Kate Winslet and Rooney Mara, and that was really crazy. Okay, bye. Yep, and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Kate Winslet. I kind of wanted to win for Supporting Actress. Me too. Yeah. Just because that was the only thing Steve Jobs got, and I feel like that movie. Same got the short end of the stick in yeah. a lot of cases. I thought she was the best part of that movie. It, she was... Don't talk, Emerson. One of the best parts, I feel. <laughs> I I liked a lot of Steve Jobs more than most people, but I, I liked her in that, and then I'm also the only person in America who saw Triple Nine last weekend where she plays a Russian mob boss and is weirdly fantastic in it. Like, the rest I, of that movie is garbage, but I hope Aaron great. Paul and Kate Winslet have a scene together. I don't think they do, actually. Oh, Chris, what are you doing? Listen, I'm I'm sorry that I'm saving you from seeing Triple Nine, <laughs> but 
It's strange because uh, I was sort of excited for that movie. Let's just not talk about the Oscars for a second. But I was sort of excited for Triple Nine because uh, I like John Hillcoat as a director. But uh, yeah, it's just it's gotten really mixed reviews. All right, well, yeah. Hold on one second, Braden. You have to leave. What were your thoughts? Well, what stuck out to you about the Oscars? What stuck out the most? Well, Craig, what you were saying about how they only award it to the outlandish performances. Who's going to do a really good job of a normal guy? Like, oh, that was so normal. You know who that did that? That was so good. Oh, Michael people. Keaton in Birdman. Okay. Yeah. Okay, there you go. And I hated well. it. Cut to him <laughs> stuffing his acceptance letter back yeah. into his pocket. Shout out gifts. I'm not I'm not saying, like, there shouldn't be outlandish performances, because obviously there are some great roles, like Forrest Gump, you know, that's mm-hmm. all those where you do have to take on a different role. But, I mean, what's Leo going to follow this up with? I mean, he's got... What he's is in it? a Devil in the White City. City. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. In, he's in another Scorsese. I, I think he's like, playing a serial killer yeah, in his next movie with a yeah. murder castle. That'll be yeah. even crazier. So yeah. maybe too crazy is a little too much, but too normal is not enough. Yeah. That's deep. Whew. Okay, <laughs> Braden signing out. Speaking of Michael Keaton, Bye, well, I just want to you know you? call him out for one of my favorite moments where after Spotlight won Best Picture, he's just on stage, like, just eating Girl Scout cookies center of frame. Like, just being being good old Michael Keaton. Let me put a pin in Leo. Yeah. I thought his acceptance speech was really nice. Well, he's had how many years to write it? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's been practicing that thing for a long time. I think it's it's admirable that he gave kind of his big moment to a cause that he's really, you know... He's very dedicated to all of the environmental stuff for the past few years, so it makes sense that you know in that moment for that film, he's gonna you know he's gonna preach and for something that's you know very meaningful. And he mentioned the Native American tribes too, which was mm-hmm. a big thing for him. And he's raised a lot of money. Yeah, no, I really liked his speech, but I, there were a lot of times where it was like, how many political agendas are they gonna throw at us tonight? It just seems like everyone yeah. on stage is like, and here's my cause, here's my cause. Everybody's for something else. Yeah. 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 I mean, Adam McKay had something about like, don't give your don't give your vote to a candidate who takes money from big banks, right? Who he later yeah, claimed was about no particular candidate. <laughs> <laughs> cough, cough. I love The Big Short so much. The Big Short, I I feel like of the Oscar films that I saw, because I did not see uh, Brooklyn and I want to say one other of the BP noms, it was my least favorite, not necessarily because it was a poor film, uh-huh. but... I think I said this exact line in the last Oscar podcast. It was like the film version of a BuzzFeed article that explained the 2008 housing crisis. Like, it's very good at explaining to you how all of this stuff went down, but I don't know if the emotional beats connected, like, the way that they really needed to for that movie to hit me in an Oscar-worthy way. I think uh, I think it's funnier and smarter than you're, than you're maybe selling it as but (laughs) but but that's fair i mean yeah i i really loved it but um it's certainly not for everybody i recently i really liked i mean i i I thought it hit home especially the last scene when it's got just like the writing at the end and then they say like oh and he's now investing in water and then they play led zeppelin's (laughs) when the levee breaks it's like okay that's pretty good brilliant i like that i also uh speaking of uh, just a quick aside about the big short as much as i enjoyed christian bale's performance i was a little um, miffed that uh, Steve Carell didn't have a nomination for it. I thought he was the best part of that movie. Um, in in a in a in a really well cast film, he was my favorite part. Mm-hmm. So, what were you guys' thoughts on Spotlight winning? I have not seen it, so okay. I no spoilers. <laughs> I was very happy when it beat out The Revenant. Like I mm-hmm. I like The Revenant just fine. I think it's a 
well-made movie that it, you know, I want to sit down with a glass of scotch and just appreciate that film. But on a bearskin rug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which bear would that be, Emerson? Crawl inside a horse. <laughs> Which horse would that be, Emerson? You know you, which horse. <laughs> you have got to have the strangest living room. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there horses and bears all over? <laughs> Why isn't just the revenant playing on repeat? <laughs> <laughs> on four different screens. <laughs> I was initially surprised that Spotlight won, but it, I it, I realized earlier that day that The Revenant is a barbaric, brutal movie that a lot of people in the Academy are not going to go for. So it made a lot of sense to me when Spotlight won. It was like, oh, of course it did. It certainly makes sense as far as uh, the Academy's history of um, making safe choices goes. That being said, I think it's better than a lot of their previous quote-unquote safe choices. Right, like, like Birdman. Uh, Craig, more like the King's we can, Speech. We can go yes, outside yeah, yeah, and yeah. talk. This I love the King's Speech. I'm talking more like Crash. Yeah, Crash uh, versus Crash, like yeah. Brokeback Mountain because everybody yeah. thought Brokeback Mountain was going to get it. Well, it's the better film. I mean, <laughs> it is that's, a superior that's, that's film. That's not just my opinion. That's just an objective fact. So <laughs> we can talk about that later. But uh, this was the first year in a, in a few years that I didn't really have a problem with any of the Best Picture nominees. My least favorite was The Martian, and obviously that's still a really enjoyable movie. So. I would have been happy with anything winning. Um, I was only surprised by Spotlight because it only won uh, one other Oscar. So I think that was maybe where my surprise came from. Yeah. Apparently that's the first time that's happened since about 1952. The Best Picture winner walked away with exactly one other award. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. usually, um, even if they don't sweep, they, they get a, a couple. I mean, yeah. Bird, Birdman won four mm-hmm. last year. Usually you at least have one performance or the direction really stands out. Yeah. Whereas in this case, it was just the screenplay. Yeah, yeah. 12 Years a Slave, I think, won three or four. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a little surprising. Um, Spotlight's a great film. I, I, I actually do prefer The Revenant. I know mm-hmm. you guys are not not quite as hot on it as I am, but um, I thought I thought The Revenant was um, was great. Uh, I only prefer it by a little bit though. My favorite movie of last year was actually Carol, which unfortunately didn't get uh, a nod for Best Picture or Best Director for Todd Haynes. But um, yeah, Spotlight's a great movie, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be, you know, celebrated. Yeah, I think that film does a really good job at just telling that story with respect. It doesn't overdramatize it. It has a really good pace. It's mm-hmm. very relatable. Uh, and as a result, it's by the nature of that story, just very affecting. Oh, certainly. Yeah, it's it's also probably, I mean, this has been said before, but it's probably the best movie about journalism since, like, All the President's Men. I mean, it's really, really a nice portrait of journalists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's one thing I really enjoyed about it is that it didn't sensationalize it. No, not at all. It's it's there are even times there are even scenes maybe that aren't boring but are certainly paced as journalism right. sometimes can be. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it just takes a while. And I thought I thought that was well handled. Greg, you haven't seen it? I have not. I haven't seen that or Room. Okay. Wait, I've only seen Mad Max the Revenant and Big Short, I think. Okay. I'm out of the loop. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> You have you have plenty to catch up on. The first quarter of this year has uh, has not been super great or anything, so you have plenty of time to catch up on That's the good ones from good last year. We're still <laughs> playing at the Bijou, so I, yeah, hopefully best, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's still over there. The best movie I I've seen so far this year has been The Witch, and that's pretty much been the See, only one I thoroughly enjoyed. I, I read your review, Chris, and you liked just pretty much as much as I did. Yeah, I was really impressed by The Witch. It's this sort Me of too. very subtle. 
Like it's a period drama, yeah. but you know, with the tension of a slasher horror flick. Yeah, it's kind of being sold as a horror. Yeah, it's and not. It, like my not roommates, really like my roommates saw it and were like, "Oh man, they ended it right as it was getting good." And I was like, "No, they no, ended no, it no. right when it was supposed to end." Yeah, I, I, thought, I actually thought it went a little too long. I thought I, it should have ended about two. And scenes it's only earlier. about eighty nine minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just like in the story, yeah, I thought yeah, yeah, it totally. could have ended and left it a little more like. I, wait, what I appreciated happens? the vagueness. Like I think if they. If they ended it in the scene with the barn, then, uh, yeah, that'd be the very traditional indie movie way to go about it. Because right. they didn't have money to film the actual ending. Right, <laughs> I loved the ending. I thought, oh, yeah. I thought I, it was uh, great. It didn't feel tacked on. Mm-hmm. It felt like uh, a really nice, um, almost like a coda or something to everything that had already happened. And also, um, I think it sort of completed... Uh, the end of the folktale because that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the subtitle of the movie is that mm-hmm. it's it's supposed to be this um, period folktale and I thought that was really 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 a nice touch. Yeah, see, I went in with the wrong expectation because I heard it's like the scariest thing since uh, Paranormal Activity. So I was like, okay, I'm ready to be scared. <laughs> the scariest then, franchise ever. Paranormal yeah. Activity. Sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, I meant The Conjuring. Sorry, okay. I heard it's the scariest thing since The Conjuring. So I, was, I was expecting a horror <laughs> the movie. Scariest franchise. <laughs> we get it, Hunter. We get it. But it Hunter's just, not scared by anything. But it was oh my like, God. yeah, it was just a really subtle good movie, and so I was expecting like, okay, we're gonna start getting scared now and it was just like it it just creepily gets yeah. under your skin in terms of influences and things that it reminded me of uh i think i saw some 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 kubrick and some some shining yeah uh, i i saw some blair witch in there maybe and i saw some antichrist um just uh, with none of the um graphic violence <laughs> the kneecap there was, impalement <laughs> there was certainly other graphic violence in the witch yeah but yeah yeah just yeah. not of the same variety right none uh none of charlotte gainsburg's uh can winning scenes <laughs> um do we know what's coming out this year as far as like as far as like potential next year Oscar. oscars yes i'm just trying to get past the summer blockbuster season because mm. uh independent Day two mm. can't come you mean quickly. That's... Independent Day resurgence. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's he... final film is what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> that has to be the front runner. Yeah. I, I mean, naturally. Like, have you seen that trailer? It has Jeff Goldblum in it. That means it's winning Oscars. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Probably that and that's my big fat Greek wedding too would be oh, the front runners yeah. as of now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what a what a great looking movie. Did anyone else? Was anyone else kind of miffed that the in the in memoriam segment well, when they uh, talked about David Bowie, the clip they used was from Zoolander, his most famous film <laughs> role. Unfortunately, that probably is his most famous film. I mean, role, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was weird, but it was certainly a weird choice. Like, but I mean, in that moment only as I mean as weird as Rickman being honored by a, a, a Harry Potter scene rather than like a Die Hard scene or mm-hmm. something. I mean, I don't know. It's right. just kind of a pick and choose thing. The I sort mean, of like cherry picking poll quotes is always like really fascinating. Yeah, exactly. As well as who actually gets an in memoriam spot because apparently Abe Vigoda was oh, yeah. snubbed right. from the in memoriam segment. Also, well, I know uh, they make him way ahead of time because like when Heath Ledger died, mm-hmm. it was what a month before yeah, the Oscars. Yeah, it could have just been the timing. Yeah, but they I added mean, him on after. But I mean, so. some people were definitely left out. I mean, I, I'm not one to complain about this sort of thing. But uh, Andrew Lesney, the cinematographer for um, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies, wasn't wasn't honored and that was sort of weird a bagoda yeah like you said chris that was kind of a weird exclusion so i don't don't know how it works should we do final thoughts on 
Oscars as a whole, or does anyone have any other categories they wanted to talk about, or the show in general? Uh, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by, even though maybe it wasn't my first choice, but I was surprised and and pleased with Ex Machina winning visual effects. So, yeah, that was an, an interesting pick. Yeah. Apparently, the cheapest film in a long time. I believe that it. award. Yeah. Was, I don't think Alex Garland had a budget on that one, mm-hmm. but it they, was fifteen they, million. But they made it look. I mean, that was one of the yeah. best looking movies of the year for sure. Yeah, like it's it's pretty much just the one effect of yeah. you know these you know, robots. But yeah. like the moments when she's pulling off the skin, it's very elegantly done. So good, and it's a case of visual effects not just going to the most visual effects, yeah. which you tend to see. Like when stuff like The Hobbit wins yeah. Or, yeah. or even Gravity. It's like you win because you worked the hardest right. and had the most stuff not, on screen. Not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. But. There is a there is another type. Yeah. There's a case to be made for subtlety and nuance. I was, uh, I, I w- that was, that was probably the toughest category to predict actually for me because um, I kind of, you know, there, there's a couple categories every year that I struggle with. It's usually um, the categories that present the most talent so visual effects cinematography film editing stuff like that and i struggled with visual effects this year because i thought maybe mad max would get it because um because of george miller's um merging of practical and and cgi and then i thought maybe revenant would get it because of the bear <laughs> um I, I have nothing i have nothing against x machina it, i i it's i don't think i liked it uh, I don't think I liked the movie quite as much as everybody else did, but I, I, cer- I certainly do enjoy it, and I and I like the effects a lot. Yeah, I, I was pulling for Mad Max for not only visual effects but Best Picture as well. Mm. Oh sure, but, sure. Yeah, if you've seen, if you haven't seen the bonus features for Mad Max, it's it's amazing. How everybody they did needs some to own that stuff. Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best done movies I've seen, and like the special effects they show, like oh yeah, you know, here's just a car, and then here's what it looks like on screen. It's like whoa okay <laughs> like the things they use the computer for yeah. is mind-blowing so like good. they it just seems like they're in a desert surrounded by all these hills but then like the valley like that's in the huge part of the movie that was like walls they built it's amazing the stuff they did like most of the cars were actually real i think it's, that's maybe why a lot of people were a little surprised by lubeski winning cinematography over john seal for mad max because uh just some of the the visual tricks in Mad Max were so mind-boggling. Well, then they made the desert look beautiful. Yeah, right? <laughs> which like, is hard wow, to do. that looks so great. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I will say I thought there was too much cinematography in The Revenant because there, there was probably 40 minutes of nature scenes. Like, get, get Snoop Dogg <laughs> out there. You got Plazanid Earth. And <laughs> <laughs> it was dragging at the times. The Wash 2. <laughs> but it... That movie also looked amazing, I will say. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I said this earlier, but I'm glad The Revenant won for sound because I rarely leave a movie and say, oh, that, it, was, it, that it, sound it, it, Mad great. Yeah, sound. Mad Max they, they split. They each got one. One got sound design. No, one no, got no Mad Max won both. Mad Max. There were no, yeah. Boards. Remember the part where they got Mad the Max buzzsaw and they cut the Oscar in half? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, there's, <laughs> there's sound design and sound. <laughs> Mad Max won both of them. Best sound editing, Mad Max Fury Road. Best sound design, Mad Max Fury Road. I was I was pulling for Revenant for... For sound mixing, I thought I thought, I thought it got one. I Never thought, mind. I thought that would have been cool because guys, guys, movie. guys, it was just a really good year for sound mixing. Yeah. <laughs> listen, I know we're all so hyped about the sound mixing. But if if you t- if the list you okay, we haven't even listeners, the Martian sound. If you, <laughs> if you take anything away from this podcast, remember 2015 year of sound mixing. <laughs> that's all it was. Don't well, that's me. all we got. <laughs> um, I'm Emerson Malone. Um, thanks for listening. I'm Craig Wright. I'm Hunter Moore. I'm going to go see Son of Saul and cry. 
I'm Chris Berg. I'm not going to do that. I'll probably just cry. <laughs> just for nothing. <laughs> for being here. For unrelated reasons. <laughs> it's a juggernaut. It's <laughs>